Welcome to the Wounded Healers Podcast. I'm Janessa. And I'm Amy. We were brought together by our shared wound of an autoimmune condition in our early 20s. This is a place where we explore our wounds with our listeners and guests who recognize the challenges of being human in hopes of helping all of us let let the the light light in. in. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Wounded Healers podcast. I'm Amy. And hi, Janessa. How are you? Hey, everybody. I am good. Um, yeah, it's been a long week here, but it's been a good week. We're, we're getting there. Yeah, my husband's also home for the weekend, which is exciting. Um, He's been away for the week, so I've been having girl dinners and uh, oh, definitely just chilling. What's, your, what's, a, what's a classic girl dinner for you? Oh, I no. Went, oh, no. This week. <laughs> we're about to go into nutrition in this episode, but this week, a girl dinner has been... Um, literally just like making plant-based chicken nuggets which are still very processed they're not that great for you (laughs) and like putting some salad on the side like very little not enough and then just a variety of weird little snacks and sometimes it's just snacks for dinner and that's a girl dinner in my opinion I'm like girl dinner that's the definition of a girl dinner yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you know what we were just talking oh no I was gonna I was just gonna no no it's fine wait were we gonna do crumpets for hot or not or was that a side thing uh those that was a side thing (laughs) I was just gonna say crumpets so Janessa and her um husband just had crumpets for potentially the first time um Mm -hmm. and she was just checking in with me because obviously crumpets are very British um but crumpets make a great girl dinner a great girl dinner like crumpets with some just like some slices of ham (laughs) that sounds amazing (laughs) yeah crumpets (laughs) yes yeah good well Well, I'm glad he's back for you to hang out with and eat crumpets with and no more hopefully you're having something balanced for dinner tonight with him yes Yes, yeah we'll make it happen (laughs) we'll make it happen (laughs) and then um yeah I guess for the hot or not though Mm. we we were discussing so donuts and specifically People who bring donuts to work in like droves, like a baker's dozen is like, good morning, everyone. I brought donuts and you're just sitting there like, hmm, do I take one? Do I take one? So what do you think about this, Amy? Is it common for people to bring donuts in the UK to work? It ha- it happens. It does happen. My old boss at my current company, he would bring in the Krispy Kreme 12 tray and I cannot resist an original glazed. So it's the only one. If they if they bring in like ones, you know, the weird shit, the pink icing, chocolate, I'm not into that. But I will never turn down an original glaze. So that makes it hard for me because I I think actually <laughs> once he bought some in and I had two in a day, which is outrageous. Um, so yeah, that's not good for you. But what often happens in the UK, and I'm going to bring it up because I do think American people are quite fond of this program. I've got the feeling. Um, the Great British Bake Off and I, I think oh, yes. it's called something it has a slightly different name um, but yeah we there tends to be like a at the start of the Great British Bake Off everyone pulls a name out of a hat of one of the contestants and then every week when that contestant gets chucked out of the Great British Bake Off that person has to bake and bring it into the office so we are talking a home-baked good at least once a week for like eight weeks or however long the Great British Bake Off goes on for. So that I think is too much. That's too much temptation. <laughs> and I think it's, I do think it's kind of, I don't know, it's a bit mean on the people that are trying to watch what they eat, you know, to like bring in all these mm-hmm. delicious things. So it's super yeah, tempting. It is really tempting. Yeah. It cheers everyone up. What do you think? Yeah, I am guilty of being the person to bring donuts into work before, but at the same time, like, oh my gosh, like, because I'm in a, like, um, kind of corporate, like, space for work, tons of people will have meetings there that I don't know in meeting rooms, and then when they leave, they're like, we had these extra donuts, and they'll, like, come over, and I'm like, oh my god, I I want one so bad, but I'm like, um, it's okay, you can put them on the table, and I'll get over there and let people know. 
But yeah, sometimes you just got to eat the damn donut. You just got to do yeah. it. And the other times you're just like, all right, faith be with me. We're not going to eat that donut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's mm. tough. But it's, it is a cute, it's a cute fun thing, isn't it? It makes everyone yeah. happy. It does. It is thoughtful. I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of thoughtful, but also at the same time, it's difficult for everyone. So, damn, I don't know. I feel like I'd give this, like, I'm so torn. <laughs> I think I'll give it, a, like, a lukewarm. I'm between hot and cold on this one. I'm like, mm, that's fine. That's fine. I'm going to, I am going to say it's hot. I am. Oh. Because I said it, okay. I said something was lukewarm a couple of episodes ago and I got a that I, I've got to start making decisions and and going with it so yeah I do moderate yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, none of that it do it is hot it is hot it's a nice tree mm-hmm. it's a kind thing to do yeah fuck it so fuck it. Yeah, who cares about the cows? And actually, <laughs> and actually, an original glazed is only 179 calories. Or at least they are in the UK. So hey, that sounds amazing. I do not think that's correct for the US. <laughs> we just pump our food with all kinds of things. So, uh, <laughs> so I can't wait to come there and eat some glazed donuts. Oh my god! As many as you Yum. want here, babe. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, calories don't count when you're on the No, that's so, <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. Yes. <laughs> Um, And that brings us on quite nicely to today's topic, kind of, because Mm -hmm. this week we're going to get into everything we need to know about nutrition, which I'm so excited to do because I do, I feel like we don't know enough about it. We're not taught anything, a a single thing about it, really. Maybe now, like we're taught about it in school, but not when I was younger. And Janessa has all the certificates so I was like we need to make use of these certificates girl and you gotta you gotta tell us some stuff yeah I'm super excited and um it's really kind of cool because I was like well I don't really know even where to start with nutrition because there's so Mm. much it is such a prolific yeah that I was like Amy you gotta send me questions I don't know I'll go too deep or not deep enough I don't know so Amy sent me some really good questions that we're gonna go through um but this is like we're gonna dive deep into some aspects but also I want you to know there is even more layers to Mm. nutrition out there um but in order to be respectful of your time and your day. I'm not going to keep you for like a 10 hour TED talk here. So I've condensed, I've condensed. Nice. Thank you. And yeah, I hope you guys like the questions that I've, that I've chosen. It's partly from a selfish point of view. This is stuff I want to know about, but I figure if it's stuff I want to know about, it's likely that you guys listening are interested in these questions as well. So yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Before we do the questions, do you just want to give people a refresher in case they're new, mm-hmm. how you got into your courses and which courses you've done and stuff? Yeah, um, for sure. So um, I became really interested and passionate about nutrition um, along my healing journey, specifically my third year into having rheumatoid arthritis. My first year was so horrendous, and we've talked about that before, and really devastating for me that I wasn't able to have the capacity to really implement these things or to look into them. And I reached a point on my third year of healing where I had a little bit more energy expenditure to put into understanding like what I was putting in my body and how that was impacting me with rheumatoid arthritis. And um, this coincides with kind of more of a spiritual aspect of me. I was getting into Joe Dispenza at the time, and I had a very um, huge eye-opening realization of what I was thinking and what I was feeding my mind was really dictating the way I saw the world, the lens I was viewing it from. And when I started studying nutrition, I also had this huge realization of what I'm putting in my body in terms of nutrition is also dictating the way I see the world, but mostly the way I feel in the world. Mm -hmm. And that was really huge for me. And it like sparked this like passion to learn about my body. And um, in that, I just fully dove deep into nutrition. So at the time I was working in the medical field and they were able to offer me um, this program through Stanford Medicine called Nutrition of Science. Um, And that's a six month program and it's taught by Dr. Gardner, who's 
a really renowned nutritionist uh-huh. and doctor and um it was just a brilliant I just feel like using that word Amy because I just am looking I'm like brilliant I don't use that oh word God, really. kind of just <laughs> today br- we're using it <laughs> I had a little bit of a British accent slip out then. Did anyone oh, else? Oh, don't really flatter did. me. I'm, rub- I'm going to try it again. <laughs> I'm rubbing off on you. I love it. Yes. Um, I love that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, he's just so smart. And so that, you guys, it led me even into another certification. And I want to do a deeper. But this time I was very interested in something less science since I had gotten a lot of that in. And I had done a lot of like case study papers. Like we were really looking at... Um, case studies for patients that were anonymous to us because we're not doctors but we were kind of putting in through writing and through our assignments what we would um, prescribe in terms of food Mm, for those people and I thought that was pretty Mm. amazing and so I wanted something a little bit more holistic so I took an AFPA course um, in holistic nutrition and that one was a year-long course and I took the exam and I passed that exam as well Mm. as the Stanford one so that is where it started and it has never stopped so I'll just say that (laughs) it's always been there so sick can I just Mm. clarify were you working Mm -hmm. full-time and doing these courses like on the side Jesus yes. Christ, yeah, girl. And with your RA. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and, you know, that's the, that's the kind of beauty is, like, at that point in my life, I, I could do that, you know? Yeah. And before, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. So it's kind of nice because now that I've gotten that hard part down, for the most part, I can give back to the community. Mm. And that, that means a lot because I know there's other people out there who definitely cannot juggle that right now with everything going on, you know? Yeah. and. Yeah, and that's okay. I'm here for you. <laughs> oh, yes. You're going to tell us every, we are going to yeah. do all of those courses in 40 minutes. <laughs> Let's there go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess before we get into your questions, Amy, mm. I wanted to say, like, I was looking back on some journaling oh. things when I first got into nutrition and I wrote this. So I'm just going to take kind of the smaller part. Um, but I said, you contain one of the world's most precious ecosystems and it's within you. And you're the one who will need to nurture and allow that ecosystem to grow or else, unfortunately, things will die off and that ecosystem will not be as Mm. flourishing. Mm. So I just, once I realized the beauty of what's going on in our bodies with nutrition, I saw myself as a, like, I'm hosting Mm -hmm. all these amazing things within. Mm -hmm. And when you're a host, you really want to provide good things for Uh, the the things that are helping you out to maintain that. What a cool way to look at it. What a cool way to look at it. I love that idea. Yeah. I definitely have kind of come to think in the last few years, you know, the old saying, like, my body's a temple. Like, Mm -hmm. definitely seeing some like seeing my body as something that needs to be really well taken care of and having a lot of respect for it um but yeah that whole thinking about you being a host adds a whole other layer to that so I love that okay well without any further ado I'll kick it off okay this question I am fascinated by it's probably super Mm -hmm. super broad but I want to know what actually happens to our bodies systematically when we eat something because I just think we're here we just like do it mindlessly like we put food in our mouths and then that's it forgotten about and I want to know what is happening all the way down (laughs) all the way down in the in the you know the quickest way you can describe that all right (laughs) i've got the task let's see okay so digestion first starts when we put something in our mouths that's like when the whole process of digestion kicks off and um some would even say it starts when we're looking at the food before it even goes in the mouth because your salivary glands are recognizing what is about to happen Uh um but for sakes of being scientific it technically starts when you put the food in your mouth. So your saliva produces a few different key enzymes and I've never been good at uh, pronouncing this. So I'm sorry if I mispronounce it, but it creates um, amylase, amylase, A-M-Y-L-A-S-E. 
is how it's spelled, but what that does is it breaks down complex starches and it breaks them down into sugars so that you can actually like absorb them into your body. Okay. So you, when you're maciating, maciating is the technical term for chewing. Mm-hmm. When you're doing that, you're creating from your salivary glands that saliva and that saliva is already starting the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it also produces a uh, ling- <laughs> lingual lips. Um, so L I N G U A L L I P A S E. Um, again, I've never been good at pronouncing these. I can tell you what to do. Pronunciation. Oh boy. But <laughs> that is an enzyme that is produced and it helps break down fats. So like I said, chewing is extremely important. And I know like mm-hmm. we've been told, I feel like as kids, like chew your food, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like really chew your food because while you're doing that, um, your taste buds are also doing a lot. So your taste buds, um, they help you perceive the taste of your food. So they'll indicate whether something's sour, it's sweet, and that's slightly different per person to person. Um, but what they do as well is through receptors, they have these um, receptor proteins that are on the tips of the taste buds of your tongue. And those um, get activated and they send these really small currents and signals to your brain and what your brain does is it informs your nervous system of what's coming in so i've heard a lot like recently about like people wanting to tap into their parasympathetic Mm -hmm. nervous system and i think that's a huge thing to realize and really good um but also what you eat has like a direct effect on your nervous system your body will be like this is good for us we can break this down Mm. or if it's something really complicated or toxic like alcohol your body's like hello red lights send the alerts through the body so your body's very intuitive even from the moment you put food into it wow that's amazing yeah and so um also, I wanted to put a fun fact yeah, in here for please. you guys. So taste buds, um, they regenerate every 10 days, which is like pretty awesome that the body can regenerate something that quickly. Mm. Um, and so if you've ever eaten like really hot food and you feel like you've just like burned the shit yep. out of your tongue and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so it hurts for like a day, yeah. maybe, maybe even a day and a half, but then it like, you don't, you forget about it because you're your taste buds are regenerating themselves like so often so it will heal it'll be okay (laughs) so i find that very cool about the body very fun fact yeah and then um to dive even deeper Mm -hmm. so that's just the the mouth um i think it's important to go through these like six stages of digestion um so there's six steps um that help us with digestion the first one we just talked about which is indigestion so that's putting food into your mouth and or into your body if you are not eating necessarily through your mouth some people have feeding tubes um Mm. but there's also propulsion p-r-o-p-u-l-s-i-o-n and that is the process of your food moving through your esophagus Mm. into your digestive tract so it actually like is the movement in your saliva helps with that movement yeah it's pretty cool um it's really awesome i'm like whoa um there's also physical and mechanical digestion and that happens by chewing your food like we just said and it breaks it down there's also chemical digestion and that um, breaks down complex molecules which are like fats proteins um, carbohydrates and it breaks them down in such a way that we're able to take that on later in the digestive system so it doesn't overburden the body yeah then there's absorption and what that does is it breaks down um, components of food and absorption is the process where it's gone through the jejunum which is like a part of your stomach it's gone through the large and small intestine and even in the large and small intestine this will happen um, if it's permeable which we'll go into that later but um, it is the process of the nutrients that are broken down into very small amounts going out into your bloodstream yes. and throughout circulating throughout your entire body. Mm-hmm. So I am just like, wow. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then there is the last step, which is defecation, which is poop, if you don't know what that means. It's just a fancy word for poop. Um, and that is what allows the body to get rid of slash eliminate any solid, semi-solid, or yeah. liquids. Um, that your body just couldn't utilize at that time. It doesn't mean they weren't useful. Just okay. if your body couldn't, it couldn't. And sometimes your body just doesn't need all of that. So it will let it go. Oh. Mm-hmm. And sh- this is might be quite a grim question. So we can cut this out if I... <laughs> so if you <laughs> overeat, will you mm-hmm. defecate a larger amount? Like, is there only so mm-hmm. much volume that your body can, like, process? That's a really good question. Um... It's kind of a complex answer, but I'll give kind of the most simple, encompassing answer is that if you overeat, you are overburdening your body. And if you do it once or twice, that's totally okay. Your body can handle Mm -hmm. that. But if you're consistently, if your relationship with food is a difficult one and you do tend to overeat, um, seeking help is important because when we overburden, we're not allowing the full amount of time for our body to regenerate parts of itself and we will you might you might poop more that is and meaning not healthy yeah like you might have diarrhea you might be constipated and it's because your body just doesn't have the resources or the time to fully digest what you already ate because you've already started putting other things into your body Mm. so it's like oh wait we got more things coming in um so it it does yeah Yeah. it it does impact people oh yeah well said Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that... Do you have any more for question <laughs> one? I feel like co- I was going to say... my question. I nerded that's out, really. That's takeaway from that. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that that was my takeaway. Um, look, no. I, could, I probably could ask you more things, but I am conscious that I've got a lot of questions. So I think that, I think that does a really good job of summing it up right. in a... Yeah, in a, in a quick way that people will understand (laughs) so yeah I will refrain from asking about specific things about the large intestine (laughs) for now hey go for it I got you (laughs) um okay the next question something I've hear a lot about is Mm -hmm. micronutrients and macronutrients and Mm -hmm. what are the what's the difference between these things yeah please if you could break that down a little bit yeah um so macro is usually referring to big and micro is usually referring to small so that is going to apply of course this as well but macronutrients we need these in in larger amounts in order to um give us energy and essentially to help us function and i was really careful with um my wording there because macronutrients are very important for us as humans but they allow us to function and if we only had macronutrients and not micronutrients we wouldn't be thriving Mm -hmm. okay we would be functioning but not at our optimal level so those macronutrients to be specific um, those are going to be fats proteins and carbohydrates there's these three large groups Um, And in those large groups, there's lots of subcategories. Um, But in the um, micronutrients group, we have like vitamins and minerals specifically. There are a few other things, but those are vitamins and minerals. But I want to say that just because they're micro, just because you need them in small quantities in your body does not mean they're less important than macro. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a misconception from a lot of people that they're like, if I'm getting my macros, I'm getting my micros. And okay. sometimes you are. Some fats have a lot of vitamins in them. Mm-hmm. You know, some, you know, proteins have certain minerals in them. Yes. But we need to, like, make sure that we're taking care of both of those systems. Um, so those are the differences. That's like a macro and a micro. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And then do you have any tips or tricks? This is like the million dollar question, but do you have any tips Mm -hmm. or tricks on getting an adequate amount of both? Because I think with the diets Mm -hmm. that we're presented or the food that's really accessible to us, it's really easy to get those macronutrients, but getting Mm -hmm. those micronutrients is more of a challenge, I feel. And you can eat a lot of, you can get your fill like calorie wise on macronutrients and not even 
touch where you need to be with micronutrients. So basically I'm asking mm-hmm. you which foods have the most amount of micronutrients per macronutrient. Thank you. <laughs> Just that. Ooh, Just that. Right. <laughs> Drop them. Let's see. <laughs> so, um, okay. So I have to say before I fully answer this, that like each person's needs are okay. different when it comes yeah. to macro and micronutrients. Um, and that's based off of lifestyle, age, and um, other things such as like health. So yeah. if you have like chronic health conditions. Yeah. Um, but most of us can tap into our bodies. And so what I mean is by micronutrients, the way it will show a lot of times is like you will experience things like suddenly you're having a bit more like thinning hair or your Mm -hmm. nails are breaking really easily or you're really exhausted. And people who are chronically ill will be like, "Uh, that's my life. What are you talking about? And I I feel you. I feel you. (laughs) But for people who are not chronically ill, those are some things you might be noticing. Um, So to really tap in and think, okay, am I getting enough sleep? Am I eating um, highly processed foods only? You know, Mm -hmm. so you need to kind of really um, dare to be honest with yourself. And that is a scary thing. (laughs) Um, But there are also tests that you can have your doctor order. Um, or there are tests now that they're making that you can order. You don't even have to go through a doctor. There's small companies in the U.S. where they will send you um, a little tiny needle that pricks your finger, and you would put your little like blood sample onto this paper. It absorbs it, and then they can test that um, to see what your mineral intake is. So oh, for smaller things, that's cool. yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. So for that, I would say. I would highly suggest that Mm. for the most accurate go-to of understanding where you're at with your levels Mm. because like I said there's just so many components of like what could affect a person to person yeah so it's going to be different um but also you can see a nutritionist Mm -hmm. and that's exciting (laughs) and nutritionists can use a variety of tools to guesstimate to see if you are meeting your intake now i think the blood test um if you have a nutritionist who's also qualified to order blood tests not all are that could be really good but if you are just going the nutritionist route for now you can ask them to do a bmr calculator which is the basal metabolic rate estimate and it's the that is the amount of energy expenditure that is released when we are resting Mm -hmm. and so meaning when we're not actively digesting food so when our body is like healing it's gone through the absorption stage like your body is so active even if you're sitting down that you are burning calories you are and so it's really good to understand how many calories roughly you're burning Mm -hmm. when you sit down and that's based off of if you're sedentary if you're active if you're Mm -hmm. very active but also based off of your height, your weight, and a few other factors. Mm-hmm. So um, nutritionists are qualified to help you calculate those nice. and then see how many calories per day would be right for your body and your goals. And then also talk to you about how eating those micro macronutrients will help you with the micronutrients in that process. Okay. They can give you like a food plan. Yeah. So the million dollar question, it's so hard because <laughs> say, you've, you've avoided that beautifully, Janessa. <laughs> I, thank you. But because everybody's bodies yeah. are so unique, yeah. Yeah. like really. So it's like, oh, dang. But I'd say no, definitely look into those options. Solid advice. I'm definitely going to do one of those. Um, the test that you just spoke about if you can like order it from the mm-hmm. internet because I was at the hospital yeah. yesterday actually and um my rheumatologist was like oh you're anemic and I was like okay chill mm-hmm. that's fine um, but he was mm-hmm. this is like the most classic doctor thing he was like but your red blood cells are the right size so I'm not concerned I was like okay okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> good as as long as you're not concerned I'm not concerned um but I am concerned of course so yeah I will do that separately and then I I can maybe see if it's a vitamin deficiency that's driving my anemia Mm -hmm. or you're it's probably iron right (laughs) you're like I can you don't need a test babe yeah (laughs) yeah it's usually iron um and there's two different types of iron but like we can definitely go into that later together but yeah (laughs) There's a lot of different things you can do yeah. to help out with that. But it would be, and that's really... Oh, go on. It's very common, though, I was going to say, to become anemic. Um, mm. And it also um, is common in people with chronic yeah, illnesses. Yeah. So 
something to look out for and that also can affect your energy mm-hmm. yeah for sure. yeah I remember I was more anemic when I was mm-hmm. first being diagnosed and I think that's what caused mm-hmm. a lot of my hair loss was my anemia because yeah. I, I think I was anemic for like a full-on year mm-hmm. my own levels were never where they should be so um yeah oh, so I'm gonna, I brought some I yeah. brought some sausages though don't worry guys <laughs> I had hey. some sausages earlier <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh, yeah yeah and okay, so very cool uh, other just quick mm. thing to throw in there if you are any make you might notice it more when you're on your period if you have a period oh. um when you're menstruating mm-hmm. your body is really um using up your iron yes. and other resources and minerals so you might feel a little bit more like brain fog a little bit more exhaustion during mm. that time um than you normally would mm. if you are anyway so. nice cool Okay, what is next on my little list of questions? I'm gonna I'm gonna actually skip ahead because we mm-hmm. just mentioned these two things. So I want to know mm-hmm. what is a vitamin, and mm, I guess okay. just a few key vitamins and what those vi- vitamins actually help with in our bodies. Please, you got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So. Again, (laughs) it varies with age and stage of your life. So meaning um, stage of your life. So if you have the capacity to become pregnant, um, you may need a, um, a vitamin called folic acid. And you may need that more than someone who is not pregnant. You're going to need it in larger quantities. Um, So that's an example of like an age or a stage that would impact like you would need that more than you would at, at a point where you're not trying to conceive or that you're not pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, but it varies. Um, but vitamins I wanted to go through, um, and I'll say these are kind of the key go-to vitamins, but not to say any others are less important, but vitamin A, C, D, E, K, and B vitamin complex, as well as folic acid, which is in the B vitamin complex, if you're familiar. Um, and then there's calcium, iodine, iron as well. Um, but I really want to focus us because I could go yeah, it's such for a, a broad long question, time. Yeah. yeah. So what I want to focus us on is what most people are in need okay. of, which is like vitamin Bs. Okay. Um, so there's eight vitamin types of vitamin B oh and that's what it means when you see, um, on a bottle vitamin B complex complex means it oh. contains all eight of those vitamin Bs. Um, so a lot of us have heard about like vitamin B12. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, that's like a really common one, but that's only one part of the whole vitamin B mm-hmm. complex. Okay. Um, so all of these, why they're very useful is all, all of these are assisting with converting food, um, carbohydrates into fuel for our body, which is glucose. So we convert carbohydrates to glucose for energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so B12s assist with that and make it easier for our body to um, have that process go um yeah so it's pretty pretty cool that is cool Um, because you hear like b12 is like good for energy or that was i don't know if that is a fact but that's what has been my perception of it but to hear Mm -hmm. how it literally does that is really interesting yeah Yeah. they all have uh they're all slightly different in the aspects that they help your body utilize the energy but they all pertain to overall like energy and that's that's pretty freaking Mm, cool um Mm -hmm. and so foods though so let's say like you're interested in not only taking a vitamin b supplement or supplements Mm -hmm. but you're also interested in eating foods that Mm -hmm. are more like vitamin b um oriented so if you are vegan vegetarian or even if you are a meat eater all can enjoy veggies and the good thing here is that dark green vegetables usually contain a lot of vitamin b in them but same with fish eggs liver and kidneys and there's a lot of other food groups that have these and i know i know you're probably thinking the liver the kidneys don't worry you can just go with the eggs (laughs) um just as good (laughs) but those are foods that will have those the other vitamin i wanted to bring up is that um something else that is very common that i've seen in that studies are showing is that vitamin d is really important Mm -hmm. that people are oftentimes deficient in vitamin d and i wanted to also talk about this because it really serves the community of chronic illness Mm -hmm. because um 
vitamin D, it assists with your body, assists your body in absorbing and um, retaining calcium phosphorus. And calcium phosphorus, it's different from just calcium. Um, but what that does is it helps us fight off cancer cells, and it also helps us um, maintain bone growth. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so it's fighting off cancer cells. It's helping you maintain bone growth. Your bones are always regrowing. Yeah. They're regenerating until you get old and then your body's like, I'm not oh, doing that anymore. That really is two for but, the price of one. But really, yeah, like, <laughs> I would not think those two things cool. would go together. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, and it, okay, it even has a little bit more oh. to it. So it helps um, control, doesn't mean fight off. It doesn't help end, but it helps control certain infections. So it depends on the type of infection you have. Um, And then it also reduces, here's the big one, folks, reduces inflammation. Uh, Yay, you guys. (laughs) So if you are, you know, chronically ill and you are deficient in vitamin D, really talk with your doctor about what... um, what supplement you should be taking because there's vitamin D in liquid form, which is a little bit easier on the body. Mm-hmm. And we would understand why from the first question because you don't have to break down the like physical aspect of it. Your body can go to the absorption phase a nice. lot faster if it's liquid. Okay. So ask your doctor and see how much you should be taking. That's very important. Amazing. Yeah. Very fun. And then I also wanted to say that for both of those, um, a really good resource is um, Harvard has a like not forum but like a page that is Harvard TH Chan School of Public Health and these are published articles tests papers um, that are available to the public that are like peer-reviewed and they're very very helpful and they're easy to digest oh so you can like <laughs> that's teach <laughs> that is that's a good Sorry. poem that's a good poem um, <laughs> so you're like teaching yourself these things yeah yeah, yeah you, you can, can and yeah. Mm-hmm. You can, and it is, um, like I said, it is a little time-consuming, mm-hmm. to be honest, but I think that if you're listening to this podcast now, yeah. you're at least getting the basics. You're kind of getting the 101 so that if you do look into an article and you read, you listen to this and read that like simultaneously, you might be able to better understand some things. Um, but yeah, but it just is commitment. Like You just have to be kind of committed to understanding because... Um, Side note, something that nutritionists and doctors who are interested in nutrition have spoken about kind of a lot lately is that the verbiage in nutrition really alienates people Mm. from understanding what's going on in their bodies. Mm. So when I say calcium phosphorus, people are like, what the fuck? (laughs) And I feel that because when I learned, I'd be like, what the shit is that? You know, (laughs) so there's a lot of terminology that is used in nutrition that is not very comprehensible mm-hmm. for the average person um and that is problematic in its own ways so there's a lot of a lot of things in the works for trying to make it more understandable for yeah. people so that they can better serve yeah. themselves because this is this mm-hmm. is essential this is literally our life source and it is mm-hmm. the difference between life and death it is the difference between health and illness in mm-hmm. some cases some, i'm not saying diet is the answer for all illnesses obviously but like it should be so accessible it should be we should understand it more than any that then we like probably most kids could tell you more about space than they could about nutrition mm-hmm. which is weird. And yeah. I'm, I'm gonna trigger people because they're gonna be like space is our life source too but you know like yeah <laughs> but at least for that that little ecosystem yeah. we're talking about within us nutrition is so vital yeah. and so some of you may be listening to and thinking like wait my rheumatologist or my specialist has told me nutrition has nothing Mm. to do with my illness Mm -hmm. and so I have literally had someone tell me that a doctor and I was just sitting there like oh my gosh um so at least in the state of California in medical school it is no longer required to do a nutrition unit your doctor does not have to learn about nutrition they will hear little components here and there of course glucose they'll know about that yeah, they'll know yeah, yeah. components but then they're not going to get from mouth to the end of your digestive tract mm-hmm. unless they are a gastroenterologist mm-hmm. or someone who focuses on you know the esophagus and so it's kind of wild that it's not required mm-hmm. like it literally blows my yeah, mind that is obscene. Um, 
And the most it ever was required was 10 hours out of an entire four to like eight to 10 (gasps) years of schooling. (laughs) Only 10 hours were dedicated to nutrition. So um, it, it's not necessarily your doctor's fault for not knowing. (laughs) However, I would love more doctors to be implored to look into this because we do it multiple times a day. And as you heard with the absorption, it goes into your bloodstream after things are broken down and your blood goes all throughout your organs. That goes in and around and all over your body and it's helping to feed your cells and like... It, there's just no, literally no way that what you eat does not yeah. impact you. So yeah. um, when doctors say that, I just try and put my blinders on. I'm like, oh, please, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't make me break out in this topic. It'll be long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that's a really, mm-hmm. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, because, yeah, there's a really nice way that you can take some accountability for your own healing and stuff Mm -hmm. when you get into this stuff and you do you feel really great for it by expanding your knowledge it's a really powerful thing for you to do Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah you're investing in yourself yeah Mm -hmm. yeah okay cool can we talk about minerals Mm -hmm. and how they're different (laughs) how they're different to vitamins if they are they might not be they are slightly different. Um, minerals are needed in even usually smaller quantities. Okay. Um, however, they're different in terms of how they are processed. So certain vitamins are fat-soluble. Certain vitamins are water-soluble. So um, the ones that are water-soluble are ones that you're going to need to take more often. Okay. Ones that are fat-soluble will be stored in your body, and you will need to take those like weekly, uh, but maybe not daily. And so it just depends, again, on your body's needs. Yeah. But when things are stored in our fat, um, it takes um, longer to break those down. But they're also there as reserves. Like, they're there in case you are not able to eat one day. Your body can draw mm. upon what's stored in your fat cells and be okay. Yeah. So um, you, that also brings up the quality of, like, what we're putting in uh. our bodies is, like, what is our body storing as um, – backup for us Mm -hmm. and is it going to provide us like really good energy or is it going to provide us um kind of weaker energy Mm. in that way and when I say energy I don't mean like on the like woo side of things which (laughs) I love but I literally mean like like a calorie for example when you see like 150 calories calories are pertaining to the amount of energy that it's giving your body mm-hmm. and every person's calorie intake varies mm-hmm. depending on the individual and their lifestyle but you want not only for it to be within a good healthy amount of calories but you want to make sure that what's in those calories yeah. what is in those and that's where you're going to read in the ingredients like lower on the labels um so people have heard things like empty calories yeah. or calories that are not nourishing yeah. so I just thought I'd bring that up. Yes, that that's also you. important yeah. to understand. Um, but yeah, there is a lot more to minerals. And actually, there was a question I think you had on salt. Yes, this is what, and is, salt does tie into that. Is salt um, a mineral? And um, so yes, there are different types oh, of salt. Okay. Oh my um, god. Yes, there's like so you're. The, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, y'all. But there is like. <laughs> table salt which is sometimes like bleached and has been highly processed Um, and then there's salt uh, sodium in its more natural Uh form which can tend to look gray or pink depending where it's from Um, and so as human beings we do require salt in like the smallest amounts like we need it and the reason that we need it is it helps us conduct nerve impulses um and it helps us maintain like proper balance of water for us to be able to process other minerals um so it is important but we need literally less than it's estimated less than a teaspoon a day oh wow and anything oh more is literally more <laughs> um so like, like legit <laughs> and so um 
so I put in here that like too much of a good thing yeah. like salt is used in so many foods in the mm-hmm. US because it also acts as a part not just on its own but a part of creating a system of nutrients that preserve food and give it a longer shelf life so that's yeah. known yes. as like processed foods yeah. um, also salt is somewhat I don't want to use the word addictive Mm. but enticing is the word here where salt kind of brings out flavors in food that makes us want to either um one drink water with it or a beverage or two makes us want to reach for something sweet before or after because Mm. then we crave that other kind of aspect um so it kind of has that effect Mm. (laughs) it makes you want to eat the whole bag of chips yes oh yeah oh yes (laughs) Yeah, I am. You guys know I don't have many vices now. Like, I don't drink. I don't, you know, I have a really healthy lifestyle. Salt is my one thing. I am, like, such a savory salt person. I can't resist it. I estimate, we're supposed to have a teaspoon of salt. I would estimate I have, like, 50 teaspoons of salt a day across all the things I eat. And the way I, like, salt my pasta water. Like that's, I'm mm-hmm. concerned that I have 50 times the amount of salt I should. <laughs> well, if you're aware of it, yeah. that's the first step. step one. That's a good, good. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, guilty too here. Yeah. It's literally in so much food. So like it can become really difficult, you know, to like moderate yeah. when it's like put in everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, and then I think, you know, the, other aspect of like too much salt is that too much salt can like really be detrimental to blood pressure Mm -hmm. specifically and a few other functions but your blood pressure is very important it's really connected to your cardiovascular health Um, and why it affects your blood pressure is because when salt goes through your veins you are no longer expanding but you're contracting salt kind of dehydrates so if you're thinking it kind of um, can impact the flow of blood more throughout that system. And then if it is so impacted because you are for like 20 years eating a lot of salt, then it potentially could lead to like cardiac issues. So it would take a long time, mm, most likely. Mm-hmm. So don't worry, Amy, you can still salt your pasta <laughs> yeah. and you can find other things. But But those are some of the kind of like things to, I guess – I never want people to be afraid of their food. That's my biggest thing Mm -hmm. in nutrition is I would rather look at this in a lens of not, not what, what do I need to cut out? I don't like that. Instead, I think instead of cutting out, I think, what can I add in? What can I add in instead? Like what, what is the next thing I could do? So I don't want people to sit here and think, oh my gosh, I'm so freaked out. Like, don't be freaked out. It's going to be okay. We got this. So. good okay thank you that um that's good it's a good little wake up call for me I'm gonna start thinking about what I can have instead of salt there you go um okay so next one there's three more that I really want to ask I'm just trying to figure out which how the which would flow best right now maybe um healthy fats versus unhealthy fats I think I heard you mention that earlier um yeah yeah what what are healthy fats and what are unhealthy fats oh yes um let me take a look because I actually wrote a bunch of things down on this so I'm sorry I'll try and make it as digestible as possible like I did earlier but um so let's start with healthy fats Mm. we'll section it off that way so healthy fats are um unsaturated fats And um, what that means, if you have more of a science background, is they're not monosaturated or or they're, sorry, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated. Um, And the difference is that unsaturated fats contain one or more um, double bonds and they have fewer hydrogen atoms on their carbon chains. And so that's really sciencey. And some of you are gonna be like, what the fuck did you just tell me? But what what we know from maybe if you took a little little bit of chemistry ever in your life, you may know that certain bonds are easier to break than others. And that in our body, our body is always looking for homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So how to maintain itself. So when we're putting in things that are not stable on a molecular level into our body, our body wants to stabilize those things. 
so that it's less Mm -hmm. reactive in our Mm -hmm. bodies. So unsaturated fats are easier for our body to digest. That's okay. The takeaway there. That's a good way. It it goes down to the molecular (laughs) level. Why? Um, and so they, okay. So these, so something, if you're like, well, how do I know if something's an unsaturated Mm. fat? So a tall tale sign that is mostly true, not always mostly true is that if you leave that an unsaturated fat at room temperature, that will turn to liquid or will stay liquid. So for example, that would be like olive oil, sunflower oil. Mm-hmm. So olive oil, it can be, you know, super hot out, but your olive oil is still yeah. olive oil, chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, also things like um, coconut oil, and depending on the type, there's different types of coconut oil, but like at room temp, depending on the room, sometimes it stays solid, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. So it depends on the type of olive oil you've gotten. Okay. Um, so it is important. Yeah. Um, and then saturated fats these are the fats that we know to be quote unhealthy fats and um yeah they've gotten a little bit of a bad rep but kind of kind of rightfully so but (laughs) the um saturated fats they contain like single bonds between the carbon molecules Mm. um, and these fats are solid at room temperature so that's how you would know and so some examples are butter will stay very solid it's my favorite one (laughs) Me too. Don't even worry. It doesn't mean you can't have yeah, these. That's the best part. It doesn't yeah. mean you can't have them. It's just to be aware of like what they are, yeah. you know, and moderation is key. And so um, dairy products as well. Um, yeah. And then there's fat in meat, which is called mar- like marbled uh-huh. meat. Like you like, would see the kind of white part of the meat in yeah. there. Sometimes we see it like stereotypically with like bacon associated. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, mm-hmm. But that will be have a greasy residue but it will stay solid at room temperature um yes. yeah it's another one of my so, faves mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> you're not alone it's a lot of people's faves yeah. but um yeah so these what i want to say here is you don't need to give up butter you don't need to give up bacon but instead of having um butter on your toast every morning maybe Mondays you do butter on your toast and um, Tuesdays you do avocado on your toast yeah. and avocado is a healthy fat. fat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I like that. I like that. I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or if you are going to use butter, just use a little bit. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be all right. <laughs> I, have this, I have this thing where I think if it's French, it's healthy. So like, I'll get french butter Mm -hmm. from like french grass-fed cows and i'm like it's fine Mm -hmm. it's absolutely fine because it's from france and then the same with like salt i'm like if i get like french celtic sea salt it's Mm -hmm. fine because it's not you know processed but i think you are um actually you've kind of hit on something that i was going to bring up a little later though so I know people hate to hear this, but like when it comes to nutrition, the key words that you should be hearing from a nutritionist or from someone who has a background in nutrition is that it depends. So literally, you're right. The type of um, the type of dairy products typically in yes. France have more pre and probiotics in them oh. because they don't kill off those strands. Um, their food regulations are different than in the U.S. where we pasteurize a lot of our things yes. and we kill off the like living bacteria, good and not great, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in France, they have cultivated a system where they allow a lot of the foods to be alive. So you are eating like living food. There's like good bacteria in there. Um, oh. So in terms of pre and probiotics yeah. yeah you are right those are healthier than if you were buying butter um super processed butter from like a big corporate mm-hmm. company like yeah, yeah. that that other kind of butter is probably better for you so th- that's another way that you could impact change in your life so so that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. like when i started making nutritional changes for helping me manage my rheumatoid arthritis yeah. um i would never advise someone to cut out all of quote mm-hmm. saturated fats mm-hmm. um because you are setting yourself up for failure yep. i'm really sorry but that's not the way the human body works mm-hmm. your body has grown familiar with these yep. things and what you can do instead is just re- replace these with a healthier version of that 
And then once we've learned to replace, we can start to kind of minimize. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, that's okay. Yeah, our bodies can handle that. Mm -hmm. So um, small, sustainable changes are key. So yeah, like changing your salt, changing your butter, great ways to start. Great ways to start. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Um, And then, yes, let's discuss pre and probiotics then, please, because that was another question. Which um, I just don't, I personally don't believe there can be a difference between the two. They, they've always sounded like the exact same thing to me. They're very similar. <laughs> they are. Um, so, okay. So, a, uh, so, okay. Where do I big, start? Big, big breath. Deep breath. Big breaths. Yeah. yeah. So this one could go on for yeah. Okay. but I will start with this. Your gut, um, your gut flora, mm-hmm. which, um, is also referred to as your gut microbiome, um, but flora happens to be like the more technical term. Um, your gut flora should imagine, like imagine this. You can close your eyes if yes, you're in a spot where you can. <laughs> but imagine that in your gut, it is a rainforest. Like imagine this thriving, like tropical rainforest where there's these like beautiful, colorful birds flying around, and there's these little amphibians. There's frogs. There's snakes. There's little plants. There's these like gorgeous old trees everywhere like that is really how the gut wants to be the gut isn't meant to cancel out all bad things like there's still snakes in that rainforest Uh you know that are more dangerous you know but there's birds to eat those snakes and so Mm. that balance is what we want to go for in our gut so I feel like a lot of times when I hear people talk about gut health they'll be like good gut health, bad gut health. And I get that generalization, but what I want you to know is that um, you need a little bit of these quote bad bacterias in your body um, in order to feed your good bacterias and maintain balance because overgrowth of good bacteria is not good (laughs) and overgrowth of quote bad bacteria is also not ideal. So we need balance. So there's that's the beautiful thing about nature. There's no such thing as perfection. There's just such thing as balance. Mm-hmm. And so that is what a pro and a prebiotic does. It helps you maintain that ecosystem. Wow. Oh. Um, so I'll get into it with that. Um, <laughs> but probiotics are usually foods or they're found in supplements um, that contain live living microorganisms. So like we just said in your butter or in your, um, a lot of times milk, like Mm -hmm. if you're getting unpasteurized milk, um, and the, they help to support normal gut microflora, which we just talked about. Um, and so some foods, like we said, butter, yogurt, whole grains, bananas, onions, Mm -hmm. garlic, soybeans, and artichokes that, and of course I put unprocessed there in my notes. Um, so yeah, you could get very processed soybeans Mm -hmm. or very processed like artichoke dip and that's not where it's at exactly. But what we're going through, going for here is very minimally processed Mm -hmm. foods. And I want to familiarize people with minimally processed foods because that is your next step if you're eating a lot of processed foods no one just goes from super processed to whole foods and whole foods in today's society is not ideal if you're working a nine-to-five yeah you will be eating some processed foods and that's okay (laughs) yeah so these probiotics what i really like about it is that we there are supplementations for that So if you are working and you are eating, you know, somewhat processed foods and you're not able to eat that full head of lettuce or eat that broccoli at work or you're afraid of stinking up the whole work freaking cafeteria with your broccoli, I get it, you know, but that's why there's supplements that are made and these supplements, they extract those microorganisms and that allows you to eat them and allows them to go down into your gut and start that process. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that, um, I guess, okay, no, that's a sidetrack. Sorry, let me finish, I guess. So prebiotics, (laughs) I'll go there first. Okay, so prebiotics are usually found in foods that are really high in fiber. And that's going to be your biggest difference between probiotics and prebiotics is that um, prebiotics are best the word pre is there because it best serves you to take that before your probiotic oh. what it does is it lays down a layer um 
of like really good gut nutrients so that when the probiotic comes on top of that it has even more to work with and so in tandem they work really well together if you were to choose one over the other i would say choose the probiotic personally Mm -hmm. um but the prebiotic really helps you optimize the probiotic okay interesting yeah nice Mm -hmm. and um so something i wanted to bring up with that is um so i'm very particular with pre and probiotics and i wanted to say that like um, to save you time and money, and because I have personally done this, um, I when I first started like understanding pre and probiotics, I was buying like things at Whole Foods or health stores that were in the refrigerated section, mm-hmm. um, and they look really healthy, and they're like, oh, we got like fourteen point billion probiotic, mm-hmm. prebiotic, like living strands, yeah. and you're like, wow, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> One thing I want you to. <laughs> One thing I want you to know is that um, a lot of companies in the U.S., I don't know how fair this is to say for the U.K., but in the U.S., um, basically they don't need to account for survival rate for pre and probiotics. And so meaning um, there may be that much of a, um, you know, living microorganism, but if that living microorganism can only survive in temperatures that are provided from a fridge Mm. keep in mind the average internal body temperature runs at about like 98 um, degrees which is like 37 degrees celsius so um if they can't survive outside the fridge let's just take a moment to think how are these surviving down our system and the answer is they're not (laughs) they're not always surviving so something that is intriguing is that even when these microorganisms are kind of dying off they're not surviving to the gut even when they make it to the gut when they're not fully alive they still can make a difference okay they can make a tiny difference but if you're really getting the survivability like if those can really make it down you're really going to see a difference and so that is one of the biggest things I'd say when you're choosing a pre-probiotic is to look at companies that have strands that can survive through body temperature and then check to see third-party testing is important. Yeah. Um, I won't go into why, but it's important. And, um, <laughs> and so look at those tests or ask about those tests, like if there's like a question area on their mm-hmm. website and see what is the survivability rate of this pre and probiotic cool because you guys that this shit costs so much money like it's like 50 to like 80 dollars in store and really you're not getting the most out of it so like yeah so i have i have choice words for companies that sell that i'm like "Mm -mm." (laughs) um that's yeah really i hadn't considered that before and i have i've fallen victim to the refrigerated Mm -hmm probiotics scheme i've fallen victim to that i don't do it anymore now i buy a a a shelf stable one um but yeah Mm -hmm. thank you that makes it yeah that will help people massively because you're right they're so expensive yeah and like this is specifically talking to supplements again so like foods have different um nutrients in them that can protect that going through your body Mm -hmm. that can line you the right way but um supplements it's really important to look at the survivability rate yeah amazing mm-hmm. thank you okay so before we go we do have some exciting news about probiotics actually mm-hmm. yeah we do yeah. <laughs> so um like i said i have fallen victim so is amy yeah. to buying a variety of probiotic and prebiotic supplements that just are not best serving us Um, And if you're looking for one that really has a good survivability rate and is created with your gut health in mind because the creator is going outside the box and looking into other microorganisms that can survive. So it's like a big step in working with scientists who are creating these. Um, then we got something for you (laughs) because Just Thrive is a brand that is really awesome and they've been around for a little while now and I've been using them for about three and a half years now and I know that if you um, if you have a chronic illness especially and even if you don't um, 
our bowel movements are really important and you should be looking at that and you should be kind of taking note of how that's looking for Mm -hmm. you and for me in the beginning of my journey it was looking really really bad it was not good um not solid Um, literally yeah (laughs) yeah and I just didn't even know that wasn't just the last thing you fucking need as well you're just like oh great and this now great (laughs) (laughs) great So I did reach out. um, So I heard about Just Thrive and I tried their products. And then after about a year and a half, I reached out to them and made contact with their company. And I made contact with them again recently. And they have offered our listeners a discount code. Um, And they've created one for our podcast specifically, which is super exciting. And it's WHP for Wounded Healers podcast and it's 15% off your um, total purchase which is really exciting pretty much like don't worry about shipping like get what you want you know Mm -hmm. and so that's a really exciting thing especially knowing that these products can be a little bit pricier but at least for these ones because the survivor survivability rate is so good Mm -hmm. like I swear by it I promise you it is they a good place for my money to go they are the only probiotic to arrive a hundred percent alive to the digestive tract mm-hmm. the only yeah. one how sick Isn't that wild? yeah and their scientists i believe are in the uk oh. too amy like yeah yeah which is like pretty freaking cool. sick yeah you know it's good then <laughs> yep, <laughs> you, know, yes. you know it's legit <laughs> but yeah uh, yes. so yeah. We hope you guys enjoy that and let us know, you know, what you think of that. Yeah. And um, you can definitely tell if 